Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross, a radio broadcast as part of Christ Covenant McAllen, and we are so blessed to have you here today. I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher, and I'm hoping and praying that this radio broadcast finds you well. We are concluding today our series on the session of Christ, and I'm so glad that you've had the opportunity to join us, and I hope that it's been a learning experience for you. Uh, we want you to remember that this church is here to bless you, to encourage you, to pray for you, and to help you in any way that we can. I want to go to the Lord in prayer, and I want to invite you to just listen this morning as we talk. And may this just be something that you can soak in. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you today thankful and grateful that you are on the throne. Thankful, O Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are the King of kings, Lord of lords, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, that you see the beginning from the end, that you are our creator. You are the one who spoke creation into existence, O God, and we praise you and thank you that you have such an intimate knowledge of us, Lord, that you know each hair upon our head, that you can call the stars by name. Father, I pray right now that you would hear us, that you would be with us, that you would move by your Holy Spirit and just heal our land. Father, right now we come to you and I confess, Lord, that our nation is sick. Our nation is just embroiled in actively pursuing sin. And Lord, we know that that grieves your heart. And it grieves our hearts as we seek to follow you. Father, I ask that you would turn our eyes towards heaven that you would stir up our hearts for righteousness, that we would seek your face, that we would cling to you, that we would follow you and obey you, Lord. I ask, Lord, right now that you would hear our prayer, that you would pour out your grace, that you would give a heart for the lost to every believer, that we would be able to reach out and give that hand a fellowship, Lord, that people would have a desire to serve you, come to you, and confess their sins before you. We thank you for the sacrifice of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, upon that cross on Calvary. Lord, we know that he is the payment, the propitiation for our sins, and that we are not able to come unto you except through him. Lord, today, would you move in our hearts and minds? Would you instill in us a fervor and a passion to glorify you? Thank you, Father, for this time. May it be a blessing to all who hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to invite you to come to our service. We have our service at 10.30. So when this message is done, why don't you just go ahead and get on dress and get ready. Come on down and join us as we worship the Lord. We're going to be concluding this series today. 
And I want you to see that our inheritance is our reward. And that through that, God rewards the righteous. My friends, there are instructive types in the tabernacle of service. And it is because of the imperfections of sacrifice that we had to have a Redeemer. That Redeemer, Jesus the Christ, is seated at the right hand of God, the Father. And the Bible says that the scepter of His kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. Now, because of that, God expects righteousness from His children. And you may say, well, how can we be righteous when we are imperfect? That's a good question. But herein is the answer for you. The, the simple answer is this. When we are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, when we have accepted Him as our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, the Master of our souls, God the Father does not see us through our imperfections. What he sees uh, is the blood of his son atoning for, paying in total, completely not leaving anything out, paying for entirely our sin. And so thereby, we are able, through obedience, to have righteousness and the righteousness of God. Because we are then clothed with the robe of righteousness that Christ orders to be placed upon us. And it's His robe. So I want to take you this morning into Hebrews chapter 9. And we are going to start at the beginning, verse 1, just so you can get some context our key verses are later on in this chapter, but whenever we study Scripture, my dear friends, it is important, it is vital, paramount, that we see context so as to not misinterpret what is written. And it is also important for us to realize that chapter and verse was not in the original text. It is something that was placed there in translation to make it easier for reference. And the translators placed it where they felt it was natural breaks. But I want to take you, before we get into chapter 9, into chapter 8 a little bit. And I want to start at verse 10. And then I'm going to read following. Verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 8 says this, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, 
and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old, now that which decayeth and waxes old is already to vanish away. Then, verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. That's referring, dear friends, to the very tabernacle and temple. You see, the children of Israel had to come to a set location in order to be able to offer sacrifices to cover their sin. And that what was being referred to there is the fact that now that law, that ceremonial law, has been abolished. Why? We're going to see that in Christ Jesus. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was a candlestick, and the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. Now pay attention as we start to get into verse 8 of chapter 9. The Holy Ghost, the signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Here's why this is important, my friends. Hear me on this. That section of Scripture, referring to the high priest and the sacrifices made by the priests, display to us that outside of Christ, our own works, our own sacrifices to atone for the carnal nature that we have as individuals all underneath the law, the penalty of sin and death is insufficient. We cannot do it alone. It is impossible for us as individuals to attain the righteousness of God outside of Christ. It is impossible for us as individuals to obtain the inheritance promised to us outside of Christ. So our inheritance is thus, the righteousness of Christ. We cannot offer enough sacrifices of bulls and goats and lambs and pigeons or doves. We cannot give enough gifts we cannot give enough money. We cannot give enough time. We cannot 
helping of people. We cannot do any of that and hope to have the resurrection and inheritance of Christ without Christ. Our own intentions, our own abilities are insufficient to pay the price for us to have eternal life with God. Now listen to what comes, because we're starting to get into the section of Scripture that I really want us to focus on here in our time that is remaining. But Christ, verse 11, Actually, let's go up to verse 10. Which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. That's a fullness of time. But Christ, and that fullness of time, my friends, was the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, and then the fulfillment of the prophecies by his sacrifice upon the cross. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serving the living God? Now, hear this. Pay close attention to the very next verse. Pay close attention to it. Verse 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Oh, my friends, if you want some good news, it's right there. Did you, did you catch that? Those who are called, pay attention, here's the doctrine of election. Listen to this again. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Why does this have weight? Very simply, my friends, those of you who are listening, I hope you're paying attention and listening intently. We have the promise of God right there. The promise. Well, here's the good news. God keeps His promise. God keeps His Word. Think about this for just a moment. Have you ever been lied to by anybody? Have you ever had someone tell you something, and then they don't do it. Or then they kind of just drift away. It kind of makes you not want to trust them, right? kind of makes you go, oh, yeah, you said it, but I don't know as I can depend on you. Well, I have news for you. 
You can depend on God. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God will never abandon you. The Bible says that I am the Lord thy God and I change not. Why is this important? My friends, God cannot lie. If he lied, he would not be God. Why? Because it's an untruth. That would mean he would be fallible. He would no longer be perfect. He would no longer be divine. God cannot lie. He will not lie. He keeps His promise. And so for those of you who are kind of down in the dumps thinking that I have no hope, I have nowhere to look, nowhere to go, nothing, I've got news for you. Turn to God. Turn to God. It is often when we are in the deepest, darkest depths as David said, that my God will not abandon my soul to Sheol. It will not see decay. And that was a prophecy concerning Christ and the resurrection, by the way. But herein is the crux as what we need. Listen to verse 14 and 15 together. Listen to this. This is so precious because... You see the heart of God and how valuable, how valuable, how precious the blood of His Son is. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, He is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now I want to focus on a word right there. Did you catch that word mediator? The mediator is the one who is a go-between. He is the one that has the say. He is the one who is that intercessor. He is the one that you talk to. So my friends, if you think that you have to say a prayer to some saint or to some other person that they might get the ear of God, the Bible says right here that Jesus the Christ, the one who paid it all, the one who redeemed your soul is the mediator. He is the one. He is the one. The only. Oh, my friends, don't misunderstand. Don't allow some false teacher to tell you to go and pray to a saint or a dead relative or to some prophet or to someone else. You need to go and plead your case before Jesus the Christ. Now listen to verse 16. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Here is the payment. You see, 
It was without sacrifice that we have nothing. With sacrifice, sin was covered and atoned for. It's like this. You go to a store and you walk into that store and you start filling up basket after basket after basket of things that you think you need, that you want. And they might even be necessities. And you're not looking at prices. You're just tossing it in the cart. And you try to walk out without paying. Well, they're not going to let you. Or let's say you go up to the register and you just start putting stuff up there and they start ringing it up. And you see the total. And you say, I can't pay for that. I don't have that. Why can't I just take it? Well, if you want it, it has to be paid for. Well, I can't. So I guess I'll have to leave it. And then someone comes up and says, I'll pay for all of it. I'll pay for it. Everything they have, I'll pay. That's what Jesus did. We pile up sin after sin after sin. We pile up depravity, lasciviousness, wrath, anger, unforgiveness, malice. We start piling it all up. Our entire lives are piling it on, piling it on, piling it on. And then we get to the checkout point. And what happens? We are unable to pay. We are unable to cover the cost. We are unable to atone. And then in comes Jesus. And he says, I'll pay it. I'll pay the penalty. What does he require? I want you to believe in me. I want you to see that I am the way, that I am the truth, that I am the life. I am the way. I've shed my blood for you. And here it is. Now all those sins, they're gone. And in place of those sins, all that junk that you had piled up that was going to be to your account, in place of that, I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to redeem your soul. If you believe. 
if you believe. Here, take my robe of righteousness. Put it on you. It's yours. I paid for it. That, my friends, is why there has to be payment. That we would have the, the promise of the internal inheritance of Jesus the Christ. You see that testament, that's a covenant. It can't be broken. When you receive your salvation, you are secure. But are you willing to submit your life to the cross of Christ? To have him as your Lord and Savior, your Redeemer, and follow him. My friends, that is our reward. It's not silver and gold. It's not fine jewelry. It's not fast cars, big houses, lots of money. It's none of that. Our reward is a service to our King. Our reward is eternal life. Our mediator is Jesus the Christ. Our mediator is the one who paid it all. Who upon the cross cried out, It is finished. Now my friends, with that simple statement, it is finished. No other need of sacrifice is made. The balance is paid. Will you accept it? So today I ask you to accept it. Come and join us. Walk with us in our journey. Walk with us in obedience. Link arms with us. We're praying for you. If you want us to pray for you even more, send us an email. Drop us a line. You can find us at ChristCovenantMcAllen.org. You can find us on Facebook at ChristCovenantMcAllen. And you can even find our YouTube channel if you look up Christ Covenant McAllen. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to meet you. And we hope and pray that you are blessed beyond all measure. Come join us. Our service starts at 1030. Would you come check us out? Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. May God bless you and keep you. May you be encouraged, and may you find favor with the living God. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.